This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, this is Jay Ferber, writer of Copperhead, Graveyard Shift, and co-writer of Secret Identities. And you are listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, on the blackest of Fridays. It's actually Sunday. We were supposed to record on Friday, but, you know, shit happens. It's my pleasure to welcome you to episode 187 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 26th. We're back, folks. We took a week off. Everything is fine. Feels good. We didn't get canceled. Some people checked on us to make sure we were okay. I appreciate it. You guys signed the petition, and you saved this show, and I appreciate it. <laughs> My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. when I'm not offering blood sacrifices to the hideous gods of commerce, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for Wordpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not attaching a chainsaw to my hand to fight off hordes of mindless shoppers hungry for comic deals, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our overstuffed reviews of Odyssey, number one, and Universe, number one. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics faster than a tidal wave of human blood can watch over us during the ludicrous speed round. And then... We'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. We'll be losing some post-Thanksgiving weight and discussing some of next week's comics. And finally, we journey back to New York circa 1985 when we review DMC for our Take a Look, It's in a Book segment. So grab yourself a turkey sandwich and a bowl of turkey chili, and then we'll talk about this week's Big News! We got Big News! Warner Brothers has announced that Michelle McLaren has signed on to direct the Wonder Woman solo film arriving in 2017. I don't know who that is. Well, I'll tell you. McLaren has experience with genre projects, having directed episodes of Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and The Walking Dead. <laughs> Several female directors have been rumored for the job, with McLaren emerging as the studio's final choice. The film will reportedly kick off a trilogy that opens during World War II, before bringing the character to the present day. Man, I don't think they've ever done anything like that with a comic book character. <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> I can't. Matt, does the hiring of McLaren make you feel any better about the Wonder Woman movie? Here's what worries Probably me. Probably not, because you said you had never heard of her. <laughs> Here's what worries me. No, but then you list off, I mean, like, three thing, three shows that I really like. Yeah. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, and The Walking Dead. What do all those shows have in common? I don't know. They're Beheadings? All, they're all very dark, feel-bad TV. <laughs> so if you're going to give me a very dark, feel-bad Wonder Woman movie, if they're going to try and make it hard-edged, mean-ass Wonder Woman, I don't know if that's Wonder Woman movie. Well, okay, but I mean, that doesn't mean that's the only thing that she can do. Uh, that's not, but I will say, think of all the, all the stills we've seen and all the pictures we've seen, the Batmobile with guns on it. Well, sure, man, it's Zack Snyder. Dark-ass Superman and like... Mad Wonder Woman and stuff. I, I'm just worried they're going down a rabbit hole here. Grim and gritty. Grim and gritty. It's the order of the day at DC uh, Warner know. Brothers. And that, a Wonder Woman movie, to me, should be more like what Marvel did with Captain America. It should be, she should be the shining example of feel good humanity. This is what we do and how we do it. And I'm going to show you how to live better. I don't want grim and gritty Wonder Woman. It seems to be the trend these days to take Wonder Woman in a very like mythological Hercules fighting monsters kind of direction. Right. Uh, Clash of the Titans kind of stuff. And that's fun. Yeah. But as great as the Azarello run on Wonder Woman was. It was great. To me, that's not Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is the ambassador of peace, right? To the world. That was her whole deal. 
she came from a tribe of warrior women that still knew how to live better in harmony with the world around them than, yeah, they than, the, than the rest of the world. felt that men had ruined the world and we were going to go create a utopia and show everyone else how to live. And then they decided we can't stay here anymore. We need to send Diana to spread the word and show yeah. everybody. And they've really, really gotten away from that. So much so that now, like, I really like the Azarello Wonder Woman run too. Right. But Wonder Woman has just kind of turned into an angry bitch. I don't know. I, I mean... And this latest Wonder Woman isn't helping the cause either, you know? <laughs> I'm glad that they hired somebody with experience directing films of this kind of nature. Not necessarily the tone, but, you know, she's used to dealing with mythological type stuff. She sure. she knows her way around action and yeah. and maybe the supernatural and, and things like that. So, at the very least, I'm glad they hired somebody with what seems to be some talent, even though I don't know her by name. I do enjoy all of the shows. That I know she's I like on. all those shows, and I'm sure she's great. Glad Zack Snyder's not directing the Wonder Woman. Well, movie. he might still have a pretty heavy hand. Yeah, in Yeah, I know. I and know. David Goyer will be all up in that. Yeah. And it's we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Everything's just so far off that it's hard to get excited about anything DC is doing. It's true. Even though the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all the stuff we're super excited for, is way far away, I still feel like we're way connected to it. Well, that's here's a, in a way that we're not to the Warner Brothers stuff. Bring up. It's the same way that. I have bitched in the past about the way DC handles conventions, where they don't throw out a bunch of news. They they, they just kind of toss it out as they feel. They announce necessary. it when they want to announce Whereas it, and like, they don't save it. Marvel is literally like running a life blog. It seems where it's just like, <laughs> "Hey, this is what happened today. There's a picture of this," and it and it keeps everybody excited. DC is very tight lipped and keeps everything in house, so it's harder to get excited about this right. stuff, and it leaves us speculating more too. It, it can right, and I I think it just. Hype can be good and bad, right? Mm -hmm. Marvel can do their dog and pony show at every convention and get people excited for like the weirdest shit. And then when it finally comes out, you're just like, oh, well, Axis, huh? Mm, yeah. Uh. Whereas DC, they don't they don't do that and they just do they just do their thing and call it good. Yeah. So it's a double edged sword. You don't I don't know if that's the right metaphor. <laughs> but uh uh, it's two sides. It's a bird in the hand worth two in a bush. You know what I'm saying? Let's get the hell out Half of this Half a loaf story. is better than no loaf at all, all right, sometimes. We're done with this. Or worse. It's worse than no loaf. Image Comics has announced a new superhero series called Secret Identities, written by Noble Causes and Dynamo 5 creator Jay Farber. Krampus writer Brian Joins and drawn by Ilias. Whoa. You always say these for me. Kryazis? Kryazis. Kyriazis. And Charlie Kirchhoff, I can say that one. Image described the new series in a press release saying, quote, the superhero group known as The Frontline has just invited the new hero, Crosswind, to join them. But what they don't know is that Crosswind is a mole sent to learn all their secrets, and Frontline has lots of secrets. Oh, they're dirty birds. To be the first new superhero project from Farber since the conclusion of Dynamo 5 in 2010. In an interview with Comic Book Resources, Farber discussed his return to the genre, saying, quote, I want to do a superhero book again. After working in other genres for a few years, but my workload was pretty heavy. So I thought it'd make sense to co-write. Brian and I have been friends for years, and we always bounce stuff off each other anyway. So making it official wasn't that big of a step. We tossed around a few ideas and debated them back and forth before settling on the idea of a team book where you know from the outset that one of the members is a traitor. Secret Identities hits the shelves on February 18th. It's listed in the previews catalog that came out. This week, so be sure to let your retailer know if you're interested in the series. Joe, is it good to have Farber back? 
Oh yeah, man. I love his superhero work at Image. Noble Causes was fantastic. Yes, I love Noble Causes and I love Dynamo 5. And his other stuff is great too. Copperhead. He writes Copperhead and that's awesome. That, yeah, I forgot that was him. Uh, and he's done some other stuff that I've liked, but nothing uh, quite as good to me as his superhero work. Yeah. Because he's always uh, really great at presenting it with a twist you know it's not the same old thing yeah it's you know it, with no, no noble causes it was the celebrity family everybody had a flaw it, it was like oh. if the kardashians were superheroes yeah and somebody married into them pretty much uh, what would that be like and with dynamo five it was a, a team of dysfunctional bastards uh because their dad was superman and he couldn't keep it in his pants mm. you know so he's always got that twist and this sounds fun as well it's like yeah. hey welcome to the avengers new guy he's evil yeah, and awesome. they don't know it. That's I think awesome. that's great. So I'm very excited by this. The preview art looks good. They they spent a week putting out like one teaser a day for each character on the team. They all look kind of awesome. Cool. And I think it's going to be a great great time. We will definitely be talking about it. We on read this Krampus. Great podcast. We read Krampus on the show, right? I didn't love Krampus. I think you read it. I don't think I. Yeah, did. I didn't really dig Krampus, but like. How much traction can you really get out of a Krampus joke? I, I mean, I don't know. Once Christmas is come and gone. <laughs> <laughs> right around Easter, it starts to get pretty old. Marvel Comics has announced that Howard the Duck will be returning in his own ongoing series this March, written by sex criminals artist Chip Zdarsky and illustrated by Joe Quinones. Zdarsky is no stranger to writing with comedy projects like Prison Funnies and Monster Cops under his belt. Quinones is mostly known for, as a cover artist, but has had his sequential work published in books like FF and Wednesday Comics. Speaking to Entertainment Weekly about the new series, Zdarsky said, quote, I love the contrast of Howard against both the normal world of us hairless apes and the weird worlds of Man-Things and Doctor Strange's and Spider-Mans. Spider-Mans. Yeah. Not Spider-Man. Spider-Mans. <laughs> because he doesn't fit into either, really. I'm just going to continue exploring those contrasts, but my ultimate goal is to make it funny. Marvel has taken chances on funny books and injecting humor into superhero titles, so I want to make sure this is worth some chuckles here and there. God, I'm picturing the reviews now. Some chuckles here and there. Shoot for the stars, Chip. <laughs> End quote. That was his quote. Yeah. <laughs> Howard will have a new career as a private investigator in the series. Speaking to Newsarama about his vision for the characters, Zdarsky said, quote, First off, I'm going to keep him as a duck. Well, that's good. I think that's something the fans expect, and I don't want to disappoint them. <laughs> Howard will be investigating whatever blackmail material I had on Marvel to get them to hire me. Here's a hint. Sex Celsior. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, with lighthearted comedic titles popping up more and more, do you think it's the right time to give Howard another chance at a series? I like Howard the Duck, and I like Howard the Duck in the Marvel Universe popping up here and there. I don't know that the character can sustain a series. I think Chip Zdarsky's a funny guy, and... Maybe it's more of a mini series. Well, know? I think him as a him as a detective. That's part of the has problem. some traction. I think they've never had anything for Howard to do other than be there and go wow, you know, right, I mean, and comment on the world, right. So maybe this is something. Maybe maybe this is the way to go with him, and you could do something really fun here. I've always wanted to see Howard the Duck running Shield, you know, or something. Oh <laughs> <laughs> like. uh, well, like on on the cover, the uh, on one of the variants, maybe to the first issue. It's Howard in his office, uh, and on the other side of the door, you know, the Howard the Duck private investigator, on the other side of the door is the black cat, right? So huh. if if they use this in kind of like a She-Hulk way where he's interacting with the Marvel Universe 
like kind of on the outskirts, yeah. like helping them solve cases, sure. like uh, in the same way that She-Hulk does the legal stuff. I think that's fun, and I think that you can get some great stories out of that. I think Zdarsky is fucking hilarious. He is a really funny guy. And at the very least, this book is going to be really, really funny. Whether or not it translates to sales, I don't know, but people have shown a lot of support for this kind of stuff lately. Like Marvel has done a great job elevating books with humor. No, definitely. And I think it's worked much better at Marvel than it's worked at DC. Oh yeah, for sure. Much better. I mean, this this of all the things that happened uh, this week, this was the thing that got me the most excited until Friday and and the Star Wars trailer came oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, there was that. You know, uh, <laughs> but in the comic, in the world of comics, like this was the thing that really got me excited. I I just think it sounds like a ton of fun, and I love Zdarsky. I love Joe Canones. I'm excited about it. I am too, big time. On Black Friday. Lucasfilm and Disney released the trailer, or a, rather an 88-second teaser, for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Matt Baum and I just watched it before we turned on the mics. I had to wait three days. He, Matt was, wasn't ready I, I at wasn't first. Ready. I wasn't ready. He wasn't sure how he felt about it. We've just watched it. It's fresh. Matt Baum, how are you feeling? I feel good. I feel real good. I feel we, real good. We watched it, and then we immediately watched the trailer for Episode One. Yeah. I, I wanted to compare and contrast. Right. And Joe said it, not me, but the the trailer was a full trailer, like a three minute trailer. The episode one trailer was a long trailer. Yeah. This Star Wars teaser trailer was like what? 88 seconds. 88 seconds. It felt more Star Wars than the entirety of episodes one, two, and three combined. Films. <laughs> sure. It really did. Yeah. And I love the first thing we see, black dude. Black dude posts his head up and we go, oh, He's going to be somebody important because there was always black dudes running around the Star Wars universe, Lando, you know, but that was, Lando. that was really about it. I feel like he's going to be our main character. And I, I do too. I think that's awesome. I do too. I love that. I love it. I thought the, uh, the new lightsaber. Oh my God. The bad guy had with the little crackly things. Come yeah. On the side. It's like a broadsword <laughs> saber. A broad saber. Mean. That sword wants to kill people. Yes. <laughs> that is its primary function. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> but every, like you said earlier, when, when uh, we had just watched it, everything looks old. Yes. You know, it's been a while. Yes. It was, they were obviously on tattooing. It wasn't crawling with CG monsters that were screaming the whole time. You know, mm -hmm. like it looked like Star Wars episode four. That's what it looked like. Yeah. And I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I am too. When the I am Millennium fucking Falcon shows up <laughs> in the end. God damn. I'm gonna, <laughs> this is what John Williams music does to me. All I needed was that. Da -da -da! Yeah. Yeah. And then it's full grown, like ugly tears. Oh right? yeah. Big time. Like full on grown man, ugly tears. Yeah. 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 The Star Wars score is tied to Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. And they use it to great effect in that trailer. And the way they paste it where we got. New character, new character, X-Wings. Oh, I know uh, that. Right. New character, new character, the fucking Millennium Falcon. You know, yeah, like, yeah. bang. You know, like, oh, man, you're right back. You're right back. Uh, yeah, you know? it really, I, I, you know, I posted it to our page on Friday, and I said that I felt like I was five, five years old again, and that's exactly how I feel still. Yeah. After watching it. So excited. About 10 more times. So excited. <laughs> it's just a teaser. It's 88 seconds. The whole thing might be a train wreck. We don't know. But we watched the trailer for episode one, and there is nothing in that trailer. No. Now, maybe I'm colored by my experience with the prequels. No, I'm dead serious. Like, if you close your eyes and listen to it, the only thing that's going to jump out at you, not even the music. 
Even the music is different. The only thing that they do is they do the intro with the big spaz, and then it's like. But that comes two minutes in. Yeah. Lots of vocal chorus bullshit. And like calm looking city and robots. Here's a shot of Naboo. Yeah. Here's Natalie Portman in full kabuki makeup. Get ready for full political space action (laughs) C-SPAN style. You know, like, oh my God. Uh, Yeah, it's just, it's night and day. And they've done a really good job getting fans whipped up about this. Yeah. And like people are already tearing it apart like fans do. Uh, Feel free, especially you the dicks. the friggin' lightsaber thing. It's like, calm down, you guys. That thing it looks awesome. It does look awesome. And if you don't agree, you're a jerk. Yes, there. You're just a jerk. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums, where Joe Patrick and I have written an open love letter to J.J. Abrams. Now that he's led Star Trek fans to the promised land and looks to save millions of Star Wars fans next. We have declared him truly our Lord and Savior and King of the Jewish Nerds. Every Sunday, my favorite talking duck, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? I had a moment of panic because I didn't think I picked one, but I did. You did. This week's question comes courtesy of Black Scorpion the Third. That guy's a hard-working nerd. Yeah. Which resurrected comic book character do you think should have stayed dead? This is going to get ugly. I knew my answer immediately. This is going to get real ugly. Immediately. Yeah? Yep. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, December 5th, to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message using Skype. The Skype handles to it at nerd, all one word. Or nobody ever uses it. Nobody ever (laughs) uses it. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894. You can also send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. In all of those cases, keep your answer under three minutes and limit it to one choice. We get a lot of calls. We like to let everybody share the airwaves. It's true. We're a family here. Don't be a dick. If you got more to say than that, do it at the web forums. That's right. Give me your top 50. That's where Black Scorpion the Three comes in with his question ideas. The Three? <laughs> Black Scorpion the three. Black Scorpion three. <laughs> the return of the Scorpion. It's review time on THN where Matt and I carve up a couple of this week's new comics and then pour gravy all over them. Matt, what did you devour this week? This week, I decided to review Odyssey, and that's O D Y dash C number one from Image, written by Matt Fraction. With art by Christian Ward. It was 32 pages long for the low, low price of $3.99. Odyssey is Matt Fraction's loose retelling of the Odyssey, but with most of the gender roles reversed, and it's in space, and it's way more psychedelic than I remember Homer's tale of Odysseus returning home from the war. Our main character here is Odyssea, a warrior queen, preparing her ship of loyal warrior women for the long voyage home after sacking the homeworld of Troia with two eyes. Spelled really weird. Like Troy. Get it? <laughs> I get it. But not all the gods are celebrating her victory. A jealous Poseidon has other plans for Odysseus' crew. The first thing you're going to notice when you open this book is Christian Ward's otherworldly art. And I could not come up with a better word for it than that. His style reminds me of Fiona Staples with a little bit of Larry Stroman and a whole bunch of Mobius. His lines are thin and they look almost unfinished in some panels, but not in a bad way. There's this very loose watercolored feel 
that gives this comic a, a dreamlike quality. Ward's vision of outer space reminds me of the final scene of Stanley Kubrick's 2001 or the opening of Barbarella. It is the pages are drenched in a lava lamp of color. It's absolutely beautiful to look at. Fraction doesn't try to hit the Odyssey nail on the head too hard, but like Homer, he lets his lyrical style shine through his narration. This read more like a Greek poem than a comic book with very little dialogue. Fraction gently guides us into his bizarre space opera with narrative explanations of how Odysseus ship works while they run from the space pirates and dodge Poseidon's jealous rage. It's very much like the Odyssey in the sense where Homer spent a lot of time discussing the ship, how Odysseus commands everyone aboard the ship. And Fraction did the same thing, showing us Odysseus sinking, like melding with this helmet that psychically connects her to all the women that propel the ship in perfect harmony through by like psychically picturing 10,000 horses yeah, like carrying them through it's powered space. by their belief. Yeah. And if they falter, like if they doubt, then the right. ship falters. She has to be like and, gladiator. And yeah. And <laughs> in that sense, Odysseus has to be their powerful godlike leader that they all believe in. And it, it was just amazing. This is a beautiful piece of high concept psychedelic sci-fi executed by two very talented and passionate creators. Joey and I have been scratching our heads, wondering why Fraction left Marvel for months now, but it's becoming very obvious through his work on this and Sex Criminals that he's just tired of formulaic superhero storytelling. Odyssey is an experiment in comic book narrative, and I am calling it an overwhelming success. I'm giving this a buy it. (sighs) (laughs) I read Odyssey number one. Give it. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing that is beyond doubt that their passion for this project in particular oh, yeah. is immense. And for that, I give them credit. But I found this book to be completely exhausting. Oh, yeah. No, it was. I, like and it. not in like a good way. Not not like, uh, like I've just finished watching the Godfather and it was just a marathon of, <laughs> or I just finished a full season of breaking bad. And I'm just like, right. it was rough for me. And it's not the subject matter. Like I've read the Odyssey. It Did you enjoy the Odyssey? Yeah. I mean, I read it in high school, like everybody else. It's, it's a fine story. I've read it a few times. I really liked the Odyssey. Sure. And I think that might be the make or break for you here as a reader. Like uh, if I'll you were a that. real fan of the, of the source material, you're probably going to be heavy into this. Yeah. For me, I think the Odyssey is okay. I mean, it's great and it's epic and it's it's a classic story and everyone should read it. I don't know that I ever care to read it again. And for me, this got bogged down in the things that you liked, like the endless explanations of how everything works. And while I think that the art is beautiful to look at, it does not mesh with the very complex descriptive language of the script and what i mean by that is the art is very abstract in a way that is unclear most of the time i disagree in the sense that i think that's exactly what they wanted that might be but like that is what they were going for yeah and what you are seeing is not something that they could even illustrate in a certain way so the best way to do it is to give you this dreamlike 
really strangely yeah, framed, beautifully paneled, you know. Like, I want to contrast it to Greg Tacchini's work on Low. Okay. That book is also very loose and it's impressionistic almost and not like exactly representative, right? Sure, sure. But for me, Tacchini's work on Low does a much better job telling the story in a visual way. For me, Odyssey, Christian Ward's art in Odyssey was almost impossible to follow in a way that took me out of the story, especially compared to the very detailed way in which Fraction is telling the story. So when the art didn't match the script in terms of the level of detail it was providing, I just, I got lost. Okay. I didn't have that same problem. Obviously. Sure. And I, everyone's experience is going to be different. different. For me, strokes, different folks. Yeah, I just, I didn't love it. I didn't dislike it, and it's obviously executed on a high level of competency. Oh, yeah. But for me, it didn't work completely. I'm giving it a skim it. You can't deny that these dudes are passionate about it, though. Yeah. And they're talented creators, and they really put a tremendous amount of work into it. Like I think you also can't deny that there's nothing else like this on the stands. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it opens with a double-sided, like, five-page fold-out insert yeah that is both a map of the universe and a detailed history of this version of yeah the greek pantheon and all of its subjects and and odyssea and all that stuff and it's just thought out on a level that most comic books can't even touch yeah and makes hickman look like a simpleton (laughs) right right (laughs) and it gets all the credit in the world for that it just it didn't it didn't hook me okay so i gotta give it a skim it tell me about universe number one Universe number one was published by Panel Syndicate. It was written and illustrated by Albert Montez. Tommy Marriott is a model employee of Wortham Industries, one of the future's biggest corporations. When Tommy is summoned to a meeting with the animated severed head of the company's founder, he isn't prepared for the insane assignment he's about to receive. Travel back in time to recreate the Big Bang and brand the universe in Wortham's name at the moment of creation. This is the second offering from Panel Syndicate, which is the creator-owned site run by Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, and uh, Musta Vicente. And they are the team, of course, behind the Private Eye series. Like the Private Eye, Universe follows the pay-what-you-want model, even if that amount is nothing. And the book is available in multiple languages and formats with a few clicks of your mouse. Really, the facts that it's endorsed by Vaughn and that you can name your own price should provide enough incentive to check it out. But if it isn't, know that Universe Number 1 is an amazing piece of work. Montez has somehow scripted a fast-paced, single-issue story that spans 17 billion years, as Tommy slowly guides the birth of the universe and the evolution of life on Earth. The story is hilarious and heartbreaking, and you really feel for Tommy as he's forced to live out an unreal span of time within his temporal suspension suit. Montez is a master cartoonist, and he utilizes the widescreen digital format perfectly. He packs every panel full of detail, and his layouts are inventive. His vibrant coloring is the perfect complement to his drawing style, which struck me as the marriage of Daniel Klaus and Brian Chirilla. It's got that almost caricatured, like, big-jawed, Kind of like Eric Powell, Brian Chirilla yeah, look to it, but it's got the inking style of you know a, a an indie cartoonist from the '90s like Daniel Clouds or Charles Burns. Based on the strength of Panel Syndicate's last series, I would have checked Universe out no matter what. But this was an absolutely pleasant surprise. 
I know some of you out there are still hesitant about digital comics, and this is digital only, but I'm giving this an absolute buy it. You don't need a special program or even an iPad to enjoy it. Download it as a PDF onto your computer if you have to, but check it out for sure. One of the things the Panel Syndicate does really well is they're only making their comics for digital, obviously, right. for digital usage. So when you read this, like I read it on my iPad, for example, it is gorgeous. It is made to be read there. Like each page yep. is one big frame and it's absolutely amazing. I really like that you said Daniel Klaus' name because that's, I've felt very much Daniel Klaus inspired here. Yeah, it's that ink, that inking style with it the heavy great. blacks. Yeah. It's great. This is just so much fun and super creative and weird and what we've come to expect from Panel Syndicate. Right. And this was a, a standalone issue, though it is going to follow the adventures of this character. This was a one and done story. Yeah. It is epic, sort of in the sense that Odyssey was. It, it's a 17 billion year long story told in 32 pages or however many it is. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Buy it for me as well. <laughs> so that is a buy it and a skim it for Odyssey number one and a double buy it for Universe number one. As always, we want to know what you warrior queens and hapless astronauts thought of these comics. So hit us with your theory on the origins of the universe and these comics, of course, over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoeditnerd.com. While translating some ancient Sumerian texts from the Ziggurat's catacombs, Joe and I stumbled upon the horrible secret origins of Black Friday. Ah! It seems that as shopping deals get better and larger hordes of shoppers flood malls and big box stores, the ancient gods of commerce become more powerful. And only through our incantations and protection spells are we able to narrowly avoid a shopping bloodbath. The likes of which humanity has never seen. So join us now as Joe and I reseal the dimensional gates nearly opened by door-busting deals while we review ten more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! Multiversity, Pax Americana, number one from DC. I forgot this is still happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Graham Morrison reteams with Frank Quietly for a Watchmen-esque tale that plays with the progression of time in a way that invites multiple rereads. Quietly's at the top of his game here, and Morrison is operating on the next level of human consciousness. This might be my favorite single issue of the year. Wow. I'm still, I'm still deliberating, but it's amazing. You're still what? Deliberating. He said, <laughs> I'm still debilitating. <laughs> Buy it. Intersect number one from Image. Writer Ray Fox proves to be a double threat by painting this issue, and while it's very pretty to look at, the narrative is so strange and difficult to follow that the loose painted art really did not help the story at all. I found this nearly impossible to follow. There was shape changing, time was behaving strangely, there may have been a monster chasing the main characters. Honestly, I have no idea what this comic book was about. Wow. Leave it. Ooh, wow. I just, there was nothing there, man. All right. Gotham by Midnight, number one from DC. Outstanding first issue by Ray Fox and go. Ben Templesmith. He's really good. I'm not going oh, yeah. away from it. Absolutely. The idea that Gotham City is infected by some kind of darkness has been a recurring theme for years. So it's neat to finally see how the GCPD handles the supernatural. Brilliantly paced and genuinely unsettling thanks to Templesmith's atmospheric art. I loved it. Buy it. What are they going to do when Templesmith falls off the face of the earth next week? I don't know. <laughs> Pops up six months later. Get Ray Fox to paint it, I guess. I guess. 
Funk Mambo, number one from Valiant. Writer Peter Milligan gives us the first spin-off book for a brand new spanking character from the pages of Shadow Man. Punk- who, who drew it? Lou Bega? No, that's not funny either. Punk Mambo number five? Okay. Punk Mambo. Come on. You stop that. That is, we've moved past that as a country, okay? <laughs> We're not talking about it anymore. Punk Mambo is a punk rock voodoo priestess that apparently heard the Sex Pistols and decided to run away to England. Her origin story was predictable at best and really felt neutered without profanity. Punks cuss. And they don't obsessively talk about punk this and punk that. I was punking around yesterday when I realized how punk it was to have this punk sandwich. And then I got punked, you know, like it was a bit <laughs> ridiculous. This felt forced. It felt fake. It was bad. I'm giving it a skim it. Punking around is the name of my autobiography. I think that's true. Planet Gigantic, number one from Action Lab. Action Lab hits big with a super fun new all ages series by Eric Grissom and David Halverson. Two super powered robotic cyborg i don't really know siblings crash land on a world full of magic and monsters it's probably not robot siblings well i mean <laughs> they're the same robot mom well <laughs> they're they're they say something about how they were designed to function in this environment or whatever okay so like they might you know i'm whatever. being i'm sorry i'm being robotist I apologize. yeah don't be such a robotist <laughs> this was a nice surprise and halverson's art is fantastic buy it okay Spider-Woman number one from Marvel. Artist Greg Land and writer Dennis Hopeless relaunched Spider-Woman, but this story probably should have been a Spider-Verse miniseries tie-in. If you're not following the Spider-Verse story, you will not have any idea it's what is going on. a terrible first issue. The story is solid, and Land's art isn't as bad as it can be, but this is a terrible first issue. Why the hell would Marvel start a series like this? I'm torn because it was good, and I'm enjoying Spider-Verse, and it fit right in with that. But as a way to reintroduce this character with a number one, this was just awful. I can only give it a skim it. Fair. So weird. Fair. Flash Gordon Annual number one from Dino Bay. Dynamite remembers when annuals used to be worth a damn by delivering this amazing 48-page issue. Current writer Jeff Parker and incoming writers Ben Acker and Ben Blacker team up with a few friends to create five stories focusing on Flash and his supporting cast, and they're all great. And believe it or not, this issue actually sold me on the upcoming Prince Valiant series. Wow. That's right. <laughs> Buy this comic for science. I am catching up on all of Jeff Parker's Flash Gordon right now. It's f***ing great. It's so good. It is great. It really is good. Man. Ice. Critical Mass number one from 12 Guys. This is the prequel to the first Ice series, and it follows its star, Cole Matai, who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be The Rock, on his rookie assignment in Montana chasing human traffickers. I really enjoyed the first Ice miniseries, and this one has the same authentic dialogue and very solid art. This is hard-boiled, violent crime comics done very well. I'm giving it a buy it. Nice job, 12 Gauge. Capture Creatures, number one from Kaboom! I'll be the first to admit that I don't understand why the kids love sh- like Pokemon. Oh, dude. Come on. You played Pokemon back in the day. No, I did not. Oh, I, I did even, not. I even admit I liked it. Not the card game, but the video game, man. I've never... I don't get it. I oh. don't understand it. But artist Becky Drystat loves that crap so much that she created her own unique mythology with the help of her writing partner, Frank Gibson, that features 151 distinct creatures. So this is Pokemon fan fiction? It's not set in the Pokemon universe. <laughs> Captured Creatures number one begins their story, and it's kind of wonderful. Again, 
This sort of thing absolutely isn't my bag, but it's delivered with such charm and self-aware humor that you can't help but enjoy it. Kind of like Teen Dog, right? Okay. You know that it's going to be stupid. Yeah. That it's ridiculous. But I can't get enough of it. But <laughs> I love Teen right? Dog. Right? <laughs> and don't let the cartooniness of the thing fool you. Drystat's art is absolutely breathtaking. Why? Wild. I'm giving. I'm yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a buy it. Okay. It's, it was really good. All right. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, number one from Boom. Roche Limit and Hoax Hunters writer Michael Morrissey, or maybe Morakai? I think it's Morrissey. Morrissey gives us the story of what happened during the 10 years after Rise of the Planet of the Apes. With help from Mind the Gap artist Dan McDade, who's just great here. This story is this is the story of the fall of humanity and the next step in ape evolution. Boom is absolutely killing it with their Planet of the Apes comics. Every one I've read, I have enjoyed. It's really good stuff. Buy it. Graggle! That is your ludicrous speed round. And Graggle is the sound of a giant toothed monster chasing silk as seen in last week's issue of Spider-Woman number one. We didn't do a show last week, so we threw some of last week's comics in. You know what? I think all mine are from this week. I think you're right. Except for Universe. Okay. Universe came out last week. Okay. Another Thanksgiving has come and gone, leaving this two-headed critic a little chunkier. So before we can't fit in our silver wrestling singlet, Matt and I decided to convert the Sanctum Sanctorum into a boxing gym and invite our old coach Wildcat over for a training session to get us back to fight weight. Matt, maybe while we're jumping rope and chasing chickens, we should uh, wrap about what we're excited to read next week. I am excited for Hellboy and the BPRD number one from Dark Horse, written by Mike Mignola, with art by Alex Mayleave. Where has that dude been? I don't remember. He did Scarlet was the last thing I remember, and that was like four issues over a five-year period. <laughs> I, I don't know. He <laughs> just solicit a bizarre series of murders and rumors of something worse. Lead Professor Brutenholm to send a young Hellboy to a Brazilian village on his first mission. Hellboy and a small group of agents uncover something terrible in the shadows of a 16th century Portuguese fortress. It's Hellboy's first day What's at not the BBRD. Give me a goddamn break. If you're not reading Hellboy, you're a jerk, and I don't even want to talk to you. Joe, what's your pick for next week? Why, why else were they a jerk? Oh, if you're not excited about the Star Wars trailer. If you don't think that the lightsaber looks cool. Yeah, yeah. If you don't think the lightsaber looks cool and you don't like Hellboy, yeah. Yeah, you just have nothing for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> My pick for next week is Shaft, number one. From Dynamite Entertainment, written by David Walker, with art by Bill Kasevli. Here's your solicit. Who's the black private dick? That's a sex machine to all the chicks. Who's got a black private dick? <laughs> Shaft. <laughs> Created by author Ernest Tideman and made famous in a series of novels and films, iconic hero Shaft makes his comic book debut in an all-new adventure. He's gone toe-to-toe with organized crime bosses, stood up to the cops, squared off against kidnappers, and foiled assassination attempts. But who was John Shaft before he became the hard-boiled investigator with a reputation as big as New York City itself. Hot damn. I love Shaft. I do too. I think this is going to be awesome. I can't wait. And I love Bill Kisevli. That guy's great. Bill Kisevli is a lady. What? Yeah. Oh, that's right. We talked about how tragic her name is. <laughs> Bilkis. Bilkis. I think it's awesome. Coming to the house, Bilkis. It's getting cold outside, little Bilkis. <laughs> that's terrible. I'm coming, Mazza. <laughs> The THN trade of the week goes to the Just the Tips hardcover. Speaking of private dicks. From Image Comics, written by Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky with illustrations by Zdarsky. 
Here's the solicit. Just in time to come down everybody's chimneys this holiday season, oh the creators of Sex Criminals are proudish to present Just the Tips, <laughs> a curated collection of tips, tricks, moves, advice, suggestions, stories, and confessions, how-tos, do's, don'ts, and do-agains, but slower this time, <laughs> from the unmissable letters <laughs> column of Sex Criminals, alongside all new material specially created for this collection only. Finally, a book to teach you how to not be a sex dumby no more. <laughs> it's this book. <laughs> what a great solicit. That's I almost well don't done. even care what happens in yeah. it. <laughs> so, okay, you remember in Sex Criminals number one where young Becky or whatever his name is is getting sex tips from the tough girl in her class? Yeah. And she's writing all sorts of weird ass crap on the, <laughs> yeah. on the stall. Yeah. I think this book is like nothing but that stuff. Okay. Yeah, which I think is great. All it's right. awesome. It's a sex book. Written from the perspective of two idiots. These guys just can't stop sharing their sex theories. Uh, it's really <laughs> unfortunate, but we all benefit. After you are done sweating off your turkey binge, let us know what you're looking forward to reading next week over at the PHN. Every month, Matt and I take a break from our favorite 32-page comics to read and review a whole damn graphic novel for a little segment we like to call Take a look, it's in a book. This month, we read the first release from Daryl Makes Comics, DMC, Volume 1. If those letters sound familiar, it's because the Daryl in question is none other than Daryl McDaniels, legendary MC from one of the greatest rap acts of all time, Run DMC. As it turns out, before he was a rapper, McDaniels was a comic nerd. Now, at age 50, he's not just running his own comic publisher, he's writing comics too. DMC takes place in New York circa 1985 and features McDaniels himself as a masked kung fu vigilante. Joe, I don't think either of us knew what we were getting into. When we we sure didn't. Book. I can tell you what I was expecting, and this was not what I was expecting. Absolutely. So this is co-written, actually, by Daryl McDaniels and Damian Scott. Now, it should be said, it's not the Damian Scott that Joe and I thought it was. I'm actually coming back for an edit because we were totally wrong. We contacted him on Twitter. Different Damian Scott spells his name the same exact way. Not the guy that drew Batgirl back in the early 2000s, who is also very talented and working on all new Ghost Rider. Different Damian Scott. Go figure. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And the art team on this book, there are a lot of names listed. It's done in chapters. So each chapter is illustrated by a different artist. You've got Chase Conley, Jeff Stokely, Philippe Smith, who I like, writer of all new Ghost Rider, actually. Yes. Mark and Mike Davis, and also the, oh, Mark and Mike Davis, a.k.a. the Mad Twins. That's M-A-D-T-W-I-I-N-Z. Damn. Mad Twins. Damn. Sean Crystal for Chapter 6 with a cover by the legendary Sal Bishema. Yeah. Crazy. Amazing. And here's the thing. With books like this, when you see that there's six different artists working on six different chapters, it can really get easy to get lost with each one and have a different complete different feel for each chapter that never happens here i thought all of the styles meshed together very well they even though they are different like one's like slightly different kind of similar to damien scott's like graffiti style right one is a, a manga style but it also works really well because there's different stories being told in each chapter we're following charlie cooper she's a reporter that works for the new york daily herald or whatever and she is on the vigilante beat. She's trying to figure out the mystery 
of DMC. And stay with me here, folks. I know this sounds ridiculous. <laughs> stay with me. He's an Adidas-clad hero that zips his hood all the way up to cover his mouth, wears sunglasses, has the iconic bucket hat that DMC wore back in the day, but he wears two huge rings on his hands that spell out DMC. So when he punches you, it leaves DMC engraved in your forehead. Like the Phantom. Sort of... Yeah, like the Phantom or Truck Turner, you know, I was going to bring up from the old black exploitation movies. And so we see her interviewing people that have encountered DMC in all different situations. And they use these situations to not only introduce a bunch of new characters from this universe, because this is not an origin story of DMC. By, oh, not at all. By any means. He's just there in the world. This is more of an origin story for the universe that they're building. It's 1985. It's New York. There is a bunch of heroes running around, but they're not your typical spandex. They're all a little different, and they're introduced to introduce ideas as well. Like, there's a hero. Well, there's not a hero. I guess there's a villain named the Puritan, and the Puritan is absolutely homophobic and wants to rid the world of gays because he thinks they're disgusting, you know, whatever. Well, and bear in mind that this is 1985 right. in New York, so at like the height of the AIDS crisis. Right. And they're dealing with stuff like that, and it's really brave the way they do it. Nothing feels really forced here. Like, he gently guides us through this world, through the eyes of Charlie Cooper, getting the story from all these different eyewitnesses. And even the witnesses are very believable. There's like one story of a young girl that ran away from home because her stepdad like was molesting her. She hooked up with sort of like B-boy street guy who turns out to have rage issues and drug issues. He gets clean. She doesn't. She ends up pregnant and running away pregnant. These are real urban problems. You typically don't see that in stuff like this. Whenever we go for street-level comic books... It's a lot of broad strokes and... It can really end yeah. up with Luke Cage beating up super drug dealer, you know? Right. Like some bull like that. This felt very real. It felt honest. It felt... It was charming. <laughs> like, yeah. The one thing... The one impression that I got from reading this more than any other was genuine. Yeah. It's very genuine. Very much so. In the in the sense that like Daryl McDaniel's grew up in this world, right? And, right, and rapped about this world too. You it's know? not some guy trying to write what it would have been like. No. for somebody living in this no, world. It's, it's somebody like they that went, actually lived in this. It's not like they went and got Master P, and you know, and like here's the story of Master P as a superhero, and he's got bitches all around him, man. And you know, he like, and he beats up the devil in issue one. Yeah, you know, like no, this felt very genuine yeah i it's a this was a pleasant surprise it really was I, I i really can't tell you enough like i was expecting a real mess yeah just a real mess yeah stripperella yeah like, <laughs> that's what i was expecting we talk a lot about celebrities coming to comics and doing you know vanity projects or whatever you want to call them uh, the the frenemy of the states and and right. uh the jada pickett smith's menace and, and things like that <laughs> Daryl McDaniels obviously loves comics, yeah. like hardcore, for real, old-time comic fan. And it absolutely shows. He knows Definitely. what he's doing. He got the help of people that know what they're doing, and they put out a great first graphic novel. Yeah. I mean, and like all the tropes are here. Like you kind of have like the manga, graffiti, kung fu, hip hop trope, but it's not in your face. It's not ridiculous. 
there was a lot of things here that were handled very, very well. It was very referential. We saw Geraldo Rivera. They talk about Bernard Getz. They talk about, like, Connie Chung is here. Jam Master Jay shows up. But none of it felt forced or dumb. None of it was, like, in your face, 1980s. Like, hey, remember, we're, it's still the 1980s. Remember, dude? You know, like, they're not uh, going there, for that. There was a little bit of that in one of the chapters, but that was just the artist putting stuff in there. Yeah. But in the story itself, it's it's not like... I just got back from seeing Back to the Future. Right. And I, I went straight to the place and got my vest. Totally. And then he's wearing a gizmo shirt, you know, or yeah, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know. It was just handled well and intelligently. And to be fair, I don't know how much of that is Damien Scott and how much of it is Daryl McDaniels, but just having the wherewithal to work with creators like this in a business, obviously, he's never been part of and say, hey, you guys know what's best. Let's make a kick-ass comic book. They did it. They made a really kick-ass, genuine comic book with great art. It's yeah. not typical because it doesn't go straight for the ridiculous, dumb origin of this DMC character. He's just in the world, and we really don't get much of him until chapters five and six. Right. It's it's really more how the people in the world react to DMC, right. how he intersects with their lives when they need him, right. and then is gone. You know, and It's not about... There's other heroes and characters here, but they don't necessarily... They're not the focus. Well, then it's not even they're not the focus. I, I'm coming from the point of view that there's other heroes here, but they're not necessarily representative of everybody's greater good. You oh, know what no, I mean? not at all. Like, there's a character named Helios, who's sort of like a Superman, but he has, like, fire powers, and he's blonde-haired, blue-eyed, good-looking white dude, and he's there to protect the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, good-looking white people of New York, you right. know? And... It's really cool. There, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of fun little twists in this that deal with AIDS, that deal with racism, that deal with homophobia, that deal with domestic abuse that you don't see typically done well in comic book form. I thought they killed this. I thought it was fun as hell. I did too. And really, you know, you listed all of those things. That would be too much for most comics. Oh yeah, to handle all of those things in at once or in in one story. And I thought that they did a great job touching on all of those themes yeah. in a way that doesn't bog it down. Very gently. Yeah. And it's not heavy handed. No. It's just, it was really, it was a breath of fresh air. I really enjoyed it. Like, I look forward to more of this. I know. <laughs> and I and this is volume one. It ends I can't on a, believe I'm saying it. It ends on a to be continued. It, there's going to be a volume two. I'm recommending it. I'm giving it a buy it. Uh, now it's $20. So bear that in mind. It's not the thickest book. It, it's not a, it's a fast read. Six chapters. Yeah. So it is like a thin-ish trade. Yeah. But I'm saying it's absolutely worth picking up. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it. I think it's well worth the price to support the talent that went into this book. Absolutely. And to encourage absolutely. them to make more. Yeah, and it's a lot of names that we haven't seen for a while and a lot of smaller guys that are coming up. And they work together seamlessly. This is very well executed. It's a huge buy it from me, too. I'm the king of rock, there is none higher. Sucker MCs should call me sire. To burn my kingdom, you must choose fire. I won't stop rocking till I retire. Of course, we want to know what you guys thought of DMC. Perfect Christmas gift for your hip-hop enthusiast comic book nerd. For the B-boy in your life. There you go. So hit us up with your opinions at the THN forums in, I'm sure there's a take a look section. Yeah, there's a take a look. Yeah. Book section. Absolutely. Where you can also suggest stuff that you would like us to read and review. That's right. Very cool. Oh, you know what? We should check the forums and see if we have a recommendation. We could. 
I do want to do Black Dead, though. Okay. Speaking of which, next month, what are we reading, Joe Patrick? Next month, we are reviewing Black Sad Amarillo from Dark Horse Originals by two guys whose names I don't remember because I closed the window already. It's the third chapter of Black Sad by Juan Diaz Canales and Juanyo Guaranito. It's legendary stuff. Joe Patrick's never read it. It's about a feline detective. It's a very crime noir and it's beautifully illustrated. I'm excited for Joe to dig into this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for episode 187 of Two-Headed Nerd. We hope you had a very, very happy Thanksgiving. If you weren't trampled during a doorbuster sale, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. We still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts that helps us connect with other potential listeners. It's been a while since anyone's written this review. Just saying. We always appreciate when it happens. Good or bad, I'll take it. It's been a while since I've actually logged on to iTunes, to be fair. Okay. Thank you to all of our donors. And if you want to keep us in payments for all the crap that we financed Friday, you can do so by clicking our bargain busting PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. You got to spend to save, guys. And that's right. And if you want to be, you can't afford not to. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring, this cheapskate podcast shoot us an email with a subject line sponsorship while you're there you can find links to all of our contact info via twitter youtube facebook skype and our ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 that is the place to call us say hello using this inexpensive list of resources you can beg the comic pushers for a new read you can hit us with your ask and nerd questions or trivia or defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed nerd judge for our defender segment or Ask us to review your self-published comic. We love it when you do, whether it's printed, digital, made of cut-up credit cards, whatever. And don't forget to go sign up for the Teach and Forums, guys, girls. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show. Tell us about your post-Thanksgiving bulimia diet plans or just rap about comics. Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. Best show on the internet. It's the only show on the it's internet. the only show on the internet. If you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com where we do not take Thanksgiving off. We just take random weekends during the year <laughs> off. <laughs> You've got the ludicrous speed reviews from Aaron Myers. You've got Saturday morning cartoons by The Credible Hulk. You've got movie recommendations also by the credible hulk cool you've got already two installments of book report by our newest love slave andy mcbride sometimes he prefers to be called andrew he lets me call him andy oh i haven't given him a choice and we're still looking for new writers guys girls you've got a blog you want to write about we're looking for sort of like an entertainment beat type person that'll cover some tv or something that would be awesome i'm still working I'm, i'm working things out with our new guy charlie a failing is mine, Char- not his. Okay. Charlie Tron. Charlie Tron. We're happy to have him. We'd love to bring back Nerd TV. Just throwing that out there. I need someone to cover this crap. Next week, we're going back into the comic studio when we interview our good friend, Max Riffner. We should probably let him know. We should probably let him know. He just had a book come out called The Crippler's Son. Can't wait to read it and talk to him about it. Tune in for that. It's going to be fucking awesome. But before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Princess Ashley our favorite Canadian, now living in California, Yep. whose Red Shirt Diaries web series just got mentioned on BleedingPool.com. And let me tell you, he is hot on there, getting killed. Woo! No, she <laughs> survives. That's the whole point. She's trying to survive. Uh, she's trying to survive. 
The other red shirts get killed all the time. Yeah, you it's should, a Star Trek thing. It's a right. joke. Yeah, you should. You don't know. You should check out the that series, the Red Shirt Diaries. It's uh, it's about one red shirt trying to survive uh, as the original series progresses. So each episode is like an episode of the original Star Trek series season one. Good stuff. And she's like, so she's trying to avoid Spock while he's going through Ponfar. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> it's really good stuff. Word to you, Princess Ashley, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes if Joe Patrick remembers to do it. Until next time. I'll do it. True believers. Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you in your mouth for it. Whoa. This is the two-headed nerd signing off. I don't even know how to do that. What is that? It's disgusting. What? <laughs> <laughs>